1989, I arrived in Chicago for the first time on a road to discovering my new home. 30 years later, I'm leaving Chicago for the desert. I'm Don Hall. Welcome to Peculiar Journeys. Got a whole lot of money that's ready to burn So get those stakes up higher There's a thousand pretty women waiting out there They're all living the devil may care And I'm just a devil with love to spare So Viva Las Vegas Viva Las Vegas Our battered suitcases were piled on the sidewalk again We had longer ways to go, but no matter, the road is life from on the road. As the movers opened up the double doors on the side of the giant 18-wheel truck and three boxes started to tumble out from the top of a chaotic and crushing stack, I figured it was good that Matthew was still off-site and Dana and Kelly were running to the bank to grab an additional tip for these guys. Three months ago, Dana and I did our own version of Marie Kendo culling in preparation for our move to Las Vegas. We sold furniture. We decided it was probably past its prime. We took boxes and boxes of clothing we no longer wore or wanted, unloaded used books to uncharted books. Contrary to the getting rid of things that no longer sparked joy, this was far more pragmatic. We were moving 2,000 miles away and had the opportunity to slim down our footprint, so we did. You know, most of it was easy. That hybrid elliptical machine the size of half my Prius, impractical to load it up and cart it halfway across the country. And where would I put it if it came? The clunky coffee table I got from a closed-down elementary school auction? Gone. The rolling brocker I bought from Joe for $25 a decade ago and that Dana hated? No sweat. All told, we sold, gave away, or dropped in the alley about a third of our worldly possessions, which made the things we kept more meaningful. We put thought into everything we decided to pack. Some of it was sentimental, some was practical. Everything was intentional. Things to know when moving across country. An empty house grows in size in your perspective when you have a limited amount of time in it. Your stuff will be handled by local movers loading it into a truck to take to a warehouse. It will be handled by the workers in the warehouse moving it to the cross-country truck. It will be handled by the movers driving it across the expanse and dumped into your new home. None of these workers gives a shit about your bobblehead that Joe had made for you for your birthday with your head on a Superman body. You will pack more clothes than you ever wear or have room for. The night before the truck came with our stuff, we all decided that one person would be the point guard for them. I was the person designated to tell them where to put things. Thus, I was the one person witness to the cascading avalanche of boxes and furniture that perhaps in Chicago had been stacked safely, and the 2,000-mile trip had become an almost criminal disregard for anything remotely labeled as fragile. Yes, the furniture was wrapped in moving blankets and taped to the gills, but as the guys tore through the covering, chair legs were snapped. Um, I broke that chair, one dude mumbled, and boxes unceremoniously dropped with a thud on the concrete driveway. I couldn't tell where things went because they were so often blanketed that it was hard to figure out what it was except for vague shapes. And to be fair, 
These were nice, hardworking guys, pleasant but perfunctory, doing their job. I went over to the crew chief, a large, smiling Serbian cat with a five o'clock shadow and a pot belly. Wow, I said, looks like a looks like a lot of stuff got damaged in transit. He got very serious, as if he'd been approached with the same thought a million times before, and wasn't looking to have some faux activist pull out a camera phone and record him. A move like this will come with about 10% damage. Anything damaged should be documented and the company will compensate you for it. I smiled a dark grin. Just take a picture of it and send it along with the bill. What are the odds we'll get any money for it? He paused, thinking about his answer, but I already know the odds. I mean, shit in one hand, wish in the other, and see what which fills up first? He laughed in surprise, but he didn't answer. 10%. As if a low-grade Thanos snapped his finger and a tenth of everything I own disappeared into the MCU mythology. More things to know when moving cross-country. If, if it isn't in a box and it's not furniture, they're going to toss it into a big box randomly. This will guarantee a bit of destruction of your property. Tubs are great, but make sure they're strong tubs because the weaker ones crack and shit just spills out. If you have something in your home that is irreplaceable, take it yourself. To provide indisputable proof that life is chaos and there is no justice in the world, Matthew's four boxes filled with nothing more than empty boxes made it unscathed. As we continued to unbox the sum totals of our lives in Chicago to fully populate the space in Las Vegas, the gravity of what is here that was there accumulates. The tiny black holes of what has been lost or broken creates a unique kind of magnetism that pulls at the parts of me I didn't anticipate. The broken and now useless cutting board signals the memories of a hundred meals that are long since eaten and the camaraderie of those brief culinary delights, the housewarming party at 1944 Division, the first white chili I made for Dana, the night Tanner and his wife came over for dinner shortly after Dana started working at Uncharted Books. The missing digital scale, while easily replaceable, still contains the days and weeks and months of focused training and weight loss that accompanied a chunk of my 40s. So much of it, however, underscores the finality of the move and the fleeting nature of stuff we hoard throughout our days. I'm reminded of the slow build to the ending of the original Chuck Heston Planet of the Apes when they discovered the items in the cave, including the plastic talking baby doll. Those things meant something to someone, but that someone was long since erased, leaving the stuff. In a Pixar world, that stuff contains memories of its own, but we don't live in a Pixar world. Marie Kando is a reaction to our need to pare down, prune our excesses, live a less materialistic life. The nameless, faceless movers simply are that need and remove choice in the equation. On the other hand, every off-strip casino here gives you a free deck of cards for signing up for their loyalty program so I can fill the void left by the movers with that shit, right?
by my best recollection, I've moved approximately 25 times since I was a kid. From somewhere in Kansas when I was too young to have concrete sight to this most recent sprint across the country, I haven't had the most stable journey. There were basic moves when I moved out of Hal Lockett's Adobe-style 14-room house out in the middle of nowhere after high school into what my mom referred to as The P, a tiny three-bedroom pea green house I shared with theater director Phil Speary my freshman year in college, just a block away from the Friends University campus. I didn't even have a bed, and my room was so small that my girlfriend at the time kept knocking the shelves above what became my bed, which was a cot, down every time she'd have to get up to pee. There were traumatic moves when mom decided that we could no longer endure the domestic abuse of my first stepfather, and we packed everything we could in black hefty bags and stole off into the night in escape. Dana lived in her family home from birth until she left for college, and part of me envies the solid ground she grew up with and the tethering of her memories to a specific location. Her father still has that home, and when we go to Pennsylvania to visit, she still has her bedroom and stuff squirreled away from her first 18 years and beyond. She still has the address as her permanent address and still has it on her Pennsylvania driver's license despite living in a number of other cities since. A few years back, I compiled all of the word jazz poems I'd opened the Moth Chicago Story Slam with into a book. I noticed one Christmas that my mom had printed one out and had it pinned to her corkboard next to her work, homework station. The poem was Transplants. They say when you lose a limb, it itches even in its absence. The mind feels what was there in spite of the void of flesh and nerve. And the heart of another surgically replacing the failed and broken one may carry the soul of the one who gave up the heart. The muscle inside carries the memory of the soil it grew in. They say you can take the boy out of Arkansas, but you can't take the Arkansas out of the boy. This is true, especially when he's had too much to drink and is arguing politics or religion. The roots of region and culture linger like the leg. The roots are like electric memory. Roots run deep in plants. Roots run deeper in people. The act of uprooting and relocating creates unusual mixtures, combinations that couldn't exist without the distance closed. They say the most American dessert contains fruit from Asia, a vessel from Egypt, and spices from Europe. I'm pretty sure most apple pies are undocumented. It's easy to remember a compilation of 25 moves, harder to remember that for a majority of them, it was my mom who bore the responsibility of the logistics, the money, the packing. We lived in houses, in trailers, in rooms, in at least one mansion, because I think 14 rooms counts as a mansion, right? I think when one has such a transient childhood, things you bring with you take on a higher importance because the places and people and you can't the people you encounter simply cannot.
There's a moment of despair when confronted with a mountain of boxes, tubs, pieces of random furniture, and no idea where to start or where anything is in which to start. It's almost a crushing sensation as if you're about to be suffocated by the combination of the need to begin making sense of it all amidst the chaos of cardboard. Many people take months to sift through their shit. Unboxing is you know, unboxing just enough to get by and then, you know, procrastinating on that other stack in the corner by the kitchen. But I'm not many people, neither is Dana. The task set before is a massive one, but we're determined to clear this mess inside of a week, if we can. In preparing for the move, Matthew, Dana, and I entered into a series of simple agreements with the idea that in a year, we would either be co-owners of the building and placed on the mortgage, or renters free to go our own way should things turn that way. One of those agreements was a bit of a devil's bargain for him. We would have a three-way vote for any and all changes to the house as well as its setup. The night before the movers literally dumped our belongings onto the driveway, we had a long discussion about not having his giant plasma screen television in the main room, a public space, so to speak, and we didn't want it in there. None of us really watch TV much. I mean, I watch mostly on my iPad. Matthew, while enjoying the presence of the idiot box, almost never watches it himself. He had a really difficult time with this. I mean, a really difficult time. Also, on the list of things he was outvoted on, only one of the two five-foot cat trees could be in the main room. His four guitars could be in the room, but not on the floor, but hung on the wall like art. And we only had room in the kitchen for one of his three sets of dinnerware. He was so discouraged that he spent the first three nights staying with Bob, our realtor, as Dana, Kelly, and I unboxed almost everything. When he finally came to grips with the reality of living with a married couple who would most certainly vote together on everything, his spirits were higher, and we commenced to the real unpacking and setting up. Within a week, we were 80% done. That 20% became a bit of a sticking point as the weight and stress of it all had sapped some of the will to finish out from my three compadres. I was, however, unrelenting and tended to harp and badger dudes. We have 14 more boxes and then I'll get a storage space for the stuff we can't fit in here. Guys, can we just get the art we're putting up up so I can store the rest of it? Part of my push was that in August, mom gave me my grandpa Jay's dispatch box from the, from, from that he had after the war. Um, when we visited Kansas just post 4th of July. It was a small wooden box filled with his World War II medals, letters he wrote to my grandmother, the straight razor he used in the field, a few of his elementary school reports, letters of commendation from his work on oil rigs in Oklahoma. It was a box I had not known even existed before the summer, and I had barely had time to truly wade in and soak the essence of this most important man. And it was nowhere in any of the boxes I had opened and poured through. I couldn't stand the idea that this touchstone that I'd just been given to take care of could be part of that 10% damaged or lost. I put on a brave face despite the crushing nausea I felt at the thought of it just being gone. How could I tell my mom? What kind of legacy had I carelessly lost? What a shithead I was. The unopened boxes dwindled down to five, to two, to one, and I came to grips with the fact that my grandpa's box was gone. I compartmentalized my feelings of loss because I'm Irish, 
and because the dynamics of the house depended on me to be focused. 20% down to 10, 10% to 8, 8% to 5%. Heaps of discarded cardboard were taken to the recycling. Boxes of crap we all brought with us, but realized we didn't need, went back to Goodwill. One afternoon, as I was coming back from a Goodwill run, I got out of the Prius and there was Dana, walking down the driveway with my grandpa's dispatch box. I burst into tears and burst into tears several more times during the day. Of all the lessons learned in moving 2,000 miles across country, it is only one that really sticks with me. If you have something in your home that is irreplaceable, take it yourself. Peculiar Journeys is a storytelling podcast. For previous seasons, you can find them on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or online at donhall.vegas slash podcast. To support Peculiar Journeys, please review the show on Apple Podcasts, share it with your friends or on social media, or go to patreon.com slash peculiarjourneys and become a VIP patron by tossing me a few bucks. Thanks for listening. 